Morning, Kelly. Good morning, Lynn. How are you? I'm good. It's Monday again. Yay! <laughs> well, this is Monday, and we want to welcome everybody to episode number two of our flourishing Lynn and Kelly podcast. And we still don't have an official name yet, do we, Kelly? No, we need a name. We'll name it at some point. We will. But for right now, it's kind of Lynn and Kelly, either, you know, musings on Monday morning. I guess it's kind of like a Monday morning quarterback kind of a thing, right? We're sort of second guessing everything and just talking about it. So, so let me tell you what is going on on my mind this morning. I, my sister-in-law is such a sweetheart. She just rushed over yesterday with uh, Sunday's Wall Street Journal. And she was so excited because there was an article there on the shifting of how people are working in corporations as a result of COVID. And she saw something in there that mentioned co-living. And she was just so excited to share with me that she had found something that was exactly what we're doing with, with our project. And I unfortunately um, thanked her, but also she could tell I was correcting her, which is never a good thing. Um, and had to explain to her that in fact, we are not co-living, but we are co-housing and this is different. And she seemed very surprised because in her mind, it's the same thing. Yeah. So then I, yeah. I feel like that's one of the things that's the hardest about writing about co-housing all the time and talking about co-housing is that I just wish there were a better word, like like some German gesellzunkt word or something that just means exactly co-housing, right? That isn't some kind of, you know, generic English words put together. I know. It's, well, actually, you know, in Germany, they do have a word. It's called Wohngemeinschaft, but actually it means exactly the same thing as co-living, both <laughs> in terms of how the word is structured and what it means. But everybody in Germany does know what Wohngemeinschaft means. Um, <laughs> If they're more enlightened, they'll know that it's co-living in terms of people sharing a house together. They have separate rooms and they share common facilities like bathrooms, um, kitchen, living room. Um, but it, uh, they also sort of think of it if they're less enlightened in the kind of place I lived in in the 70s was more of kind of com commune-esque kind of co-living than what we have it rebranded as in the U.S. today in the 21st century. Well, the so, other one that I think is confusing, Lynn, is uh, co-op, you know, because a lot of yeah. people have experience with co-ops or have heard about, you know, co-op boards, voting people in and out. So I think that that term is um, a little bit confusing for people when they're trying to really drill down to what is co-housing. So if Kelly, you've, you, how would you do the one-liner on co-living then the one-liner on co-housing and the one-liner on, and I'm good, when I, when I say co-op, let's talk about the co-ops that we know in Texas and Austin, and yeah. we'll leave the New York City co-ops for a later, later in our conversation today. So if you had a one-liner on those three, could you, you're so crisp with your words, just get, hit us up with those this morning. <laughs> well, I liked that you defined it by space because I would say that co-housing is a private home in its full and shared spaces, shared lives, and an intentionality to live together. Whereas a co-op or co-living is a private room in a shared space and an intentionality. So the difference is kind of how much private space are you claiming 
within this context. So co-housing, you are claiming an entire private home, whereas co-living or a co-op, you really just have your own private room. That was my I like that. Uh, that's really, that's helpful. I haven't heard anybody describe it quite that succinctly. I love that. So then let me ask a little bit deeper because I don't know the answer to this. So what's the difference in your mind between co-op, like we have the Austin student co-ops versus co-living? Is there a difference? You know, I don't think that there is, but you know, co-living, there are a lot of different types of governance when it comes to co-living. Um, so the governance structure of a co-op typically is a consensus-based governance whereas co-living is not necessarily, mm. but that's really specific to each situation. You'd have to ask specifically. Okay. But interestingly, the co-housing governance structure is consensus-based in general. So, mm -hmm. you know, in that regard, this kind of trend of co-living with your private room, but shared spaces under uh, democratic governance is actually mm. more different than co-housing with your private home but a consensus-based shared mm. environment. That's helpful because in my mind, I had just simplified the whole co-living thing as this is just a rebranding, repackaging of the old uh, roommates, you know, figuring it out in the kitchen, in the bathrooms and having various fights and upsetness with each other. That's kind of what I had thought it was. And I think a lot of landlords have got this idea that they're gonna like create this series of uh, co-living houses. It sort of attracts something new. It's a way of getting a buzz on how they're just basically trying to rent this thing out to a bunch of roommates. So. Yeah. Okay, that's helpful. So that's, so that's one kind of confusing thing, I think, that keeps showing up when we're facing the public for the first time because co-housing is so unfamiliar in Texas. Let's talk about some others that we've encountered. So one that comes, well, what's, I'll let you go first. What's on your mind is maybe another one that keeps coming up, like how people are confused. Yeah. One that comes up for me is actually, I think you've maybe heard this question before. I haven't, but it's one that I wish people would ask more is what does it feel like to be in the public spaces? And I think that question stems a little bit from how much privacy will I have in my own home? But then also, is there a sense of privacy as I move through the community? Mm. And talk about the common house a lot as a place where these shared interests converge, you know, all the people who like yoga are there doing yoga together. All the people who like, you know, cooking are there making community dinner. And that is true. That is what happens. But it doesn't happen 24-7. Mm. You know, I would say that, that actually the dominant feeling in most common houses is of serenity. Uh, the community has taken care of this space. Everything's in its place. It's a, a serene place to be. There are signs of life, signs of community. You know, you can see somebody else just picked up their mail or you can see, you know, this kid lost his, in Colorado, lost his mittens and the mittens are there in the corner. You know, there are signs of life, but it's not a, an onslaught of community mm. the minute you walk out of your door. There is a sense of pervasive serenity in, in the community. That's nice because you're right. I have, I have gotten that question or I, I think maybe it's not a question. It's more like an assumption that there would be this 
commotion, constant commotion going on in that shared space and in other shared spaces, especially since we're talking about having a swimming pool, there's some concern and assumption that this would be kind of this wild party space that you'll be then stressed in the evening when you're trying to get to sleep and there's all this carrying on going on there. Um, and what I hear from you and others who have lived in co-housing is that there might be an initial burst of energy when you first move in, but everybody kind of quickly settles down. It's kind of like the first few weeks, if you've lived in a dorm, everybody's kind of wild and crazy and getting to know each other. And then by the time you get to the, you know, parent weekend, midterm, you know, everybody's all settled down and you've kind of gotten over it. The delicious thing about living in community is that it allows you to go past that kind of high energy getting to know you stage, right? You, you do start there because you need to get to know everyone in the community and they want to get to know you, but then really it settles down so much because you know that person and you know their comings and their goings and you know that if you want to chat about something further, you guys are both going to be out gardening on the weekend and you can chat about it then. Or there's just mm -hmm. a, a really sense of, uh, of relaxation. There's a, a sense of relaxation. Mm. In your relationship. That's nice. That's nice. Because, and I just one more aspect about this that I'm asked about. And that is, you know, what, I mean, it's all well and good that you guys organize this parking to be separate so we can bump into people. But what if I come home from a really bad day at work? I just want to go into my place and cry or whatever, have a beer. I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm not in a good mood. How does that really work out in the, in the live co-housing community? Lynn, am I going to be forced to talk to you? <laughs> My internet is unstable. I could hear. Okay, well, that's fine. Let me just repeat that. So one of the questions that I hear from people is that if I come home from work in a really bad mood, I've had a terrible day, am I going to be forced to interact with everybody between my car and the mail room and then going up to my home? And how do I get through that? Right. I mean, everybody's got ups and downs and days when they want to chat and days when they do not want to chat. I, I think there are a couple of things. One is that you know people better. So and you know that you can catch them at another time. So you see somebody with, you know, the look in their eye like I'm just getting to the car because I'm going to be late. Um, and you maybe wave high, but you don't kind of delay them. You know that that's that's how they are because you know them. The other is the uh, universal sign of do not disturb, which are the little white AirPods. <laughs> That's the other thing. <laughs> you just need to like be in your own head, but you want to be out gardening, then yeah. you just throw on a podcast, put those in your ears and people know to just, you know, give you some space because nice. we're all just living our lives. So you have to be not only respectful of uh, other people's space, but also protective of your own. Mm. You know, it kind of reminds me about how we deal with each other in a family. You know, sometimes we pass each other in the hallway and we barely say hello. We just smile or we don't do anything, right? Because there's that level of comfort. It's like when you go on a long trip with your family, sometimes there's periods of silence in the car and other times there's period of joy and laughter and care. And other times there's periods of fighting and <laughs> negotiating and whatever. Yeah, nice, yeah. nice. I just feel like all of those things are true. Um, the other thing that's nice is because you have so many opportunities to interact, 
that um, if I really want to uh, convince you of a you know community policy and I know I need to talk to you about it and I need to listen to your side and I need to hear you, instead of you having to just avoid me because you don't want to talk about it, mm-hmm. yeah. You can say, Hey, look, let's talk about this in this meeting. And it's easy because I know that it will happen. I know that my desires will be met um, through the community process. And you know that your sense of when you're ready to talk about something or when you want to talk about something will also be respected. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. You know, that reminds me of a lot of the um, situations in my past career where I've been in a real tight team and we've, you know, been working in the same building and we've had that kind of easy come and go. You grab somebody at something on a coffee room and sometimes you don't talk at all in the coffee room. So yeah, get it. You know, that kind of, you know, spills right into the next thing that I get asked about a lot and, or, you know, the assumption that people come to the table with about co-housing. Once we've given them a little bit of a description, they say, well, how is this even different from then just like, like a condo? You know, if, I, if I'm living in a condo and I'm not talking about the legal structure of it all, I'm just talking about the, the interaction with the community component to that. So the condo might have a swimming pool, a common area for grilling and maybe a community house. And like, how is this even different than that? Yeah, and- that's where I live right now. We have a pool um, right outside of our door. We have, we actually even have work days in our, in our condo mm-hmm. community where people get out and garden together. Um, it is very similar in that regard. The difference is that in this condo, there are this, uh, this condo development, there are, I think, 16 units and there are like four of us who behave that way. So <laughs> four of us get out and work hard and our kids yeah. all swim in the pool together and we, we grill together and we're friendly. Um, but the rest of the people don't because they are not there for intentional community. Mm-hmm. They're here because the location is great and the house was great and they like, you know, the things about it, which is totally fine. That is what they want out of living here. Um, but I, what I want out of living in a place is to have a shared life with my neighbors. Mm-hmm. And so you can create that in very small um, selected groups, but in order to have a whole group of people who have self-selected into that, um, that really takes co-housing. It takes some a structure like that. Right. I, I mean, I guess I've always assumed that it would be similar to like moving into a street in any neighborhood. You know, I don't know my neighbors before I move in usually, and I may get lucky and I may establish those kind of relationships with a few households, but it's all left to chance. It's all very random and happenstance and those people may come and go in a different way and whoever replaces them may not replace that relationship at all. I've seen that in my street since Harvey flooded out several people and they left and the people who came in to replace and rebuild are not interested in having any kind of relationship. They're not unfriendly, but they're not, they're not, they're not kind of our peeps. Like they will go on a trip not even tell us they're leaving town and next door neighbors and leave their garbage cans out for the whole week and in the street. And don't even think that maybe they should say, Hey, I'm going to be out of town. And would you, you know, bring my garbage in? Uh, it's, it's a very, um, it's a feeling of isolation that I'm looking to move away from in my life and move towards being closer together. And I, I think that same kind of isolation could exist in a condo where you're sharing walls and common spaces and you're still not connecting. Yeah, the other thing I think about is that, 
um, you know, in our condo here, we have a really good social network with those other families. It's, mm -hmm. it's social, it's fun. We all enjoy it. Um, but there isn't a work component to that relationship. And I think that you get to know people more deeply when you need to make shared decisions about, um, you know, the, the pool policies or, you know, how often can we have community dinners and have it feel, you know, right for our community. When you start having values discussions in the context of shared work, it deepens your relationship mm. beyond what a social relationship ever really could. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what moves you out of like, really friendly condo association to actual co-housing where you're actually sharing lives because they're shared work and shared responsibility mm -hmm. together. Well, Kelly, this has been a great conversation this morning. So we've touched on the confusion and misconceptions around co-living, misconceptions around how much we might be forced to socialize, you know, how social is this thing and will it be exhausting? And we've focused also a little bit on how it's different than a condo. And I think that for me kind of wraps it up today. Was there anything else you think is a major misconception we should cover? No, I think that's it. But I really do think we need to come up with a new word other than co-housing. So. Yes, we should do that. Yeah. I think we might meet some resistance with the National Co-Housing Organization. We'd be some breakaway. Texas, <laughs> Texas is succeeding yet again. Yes. So anyway, have a great day. It's a glorious spring week in Texas and we're all feeling very optimistic and I look forward to chatting with you next week. Likewise, I'll see you then, Lynn. Okay, bye. Bye.